0: In this episode, we are going to talk about occupational physical activity and also physical activity paradox. And we have a great guest for this episode. Our guest is working as an assistant professor at Amsterdam UMC in the Department of Public and Occupational Health. His work is focused on health effects of work and socioeconomic health inequalities. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Peter Koenig. Uh welcome, Peter. Thank you very much for the introduction and for having me on the show. yeah, great to great to have you in the show. So would you like to first
1: introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so like you said, i'm I'm now working as a, as an assistant professor at uh, Amsterdam UMC. Uh, I am, uh, uh, movement science, human movement science by training. I, uh, did my PhD also in human movement sciences. That was, uh, I finished my PhD in, in 2013. And that was on the topic of, uh, uh, physical, uh, de- physically demanding jobs and the association with, uh, musculoskeletal pain, in particular low back pain. Uh, that was something I was really interested about at that time. And uh, that was also aligned really well with my, with my studies, with my uh, human movement science uh, background. Uh, after that, I did a, a, a postdoc in Australia, in Perth, Curtin University. Uh, and I continued working on the, on the topic of, uh, of physically demanding work and also musculoskeletal health. That's something I've been always interested in. Uh, and then I guess it's like five years ago that I returned back to, uh, to the Netherlands, back in Amsterdam. Uh, I'm still studying, uh, uh physically demanding work, uh, musculoskeletal health, but uh, these days I'm also st- focusing on other topics. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, try to, uh, yeah, look at wa- what are uh, work situations uh, that make people healthy or unhealthy. And I try to see what we can do about these work situations uh, to make sure that people can work in a, in a good way, in a healthy way. And, uh, and also for people with, uh, with disabilities or with diseases, helping them to be able to, uh, to do their work uh, in a good way, in a healthy way. Uh, that's basically my research, and yeah, a, a large part of that is uh, is on uh, on physically demanding work.
0: Yeah, sounds sounds so very interesting. And before we go to your systematic reviews that you have done, it was interesting to hear about your PhD and low back pain. Could you could you tell a little bit about that project first?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was, like I said, uh, trained as a human movement scientist uh, uh, in biomechanics, actually. And what I did during my PhD is I developed uh, methods to uh, assess uh, in, with a, in a biomechanical way uh, low back load. Uh, so, and by low back load, I mean really the, the forces uh, that are applied on the lower back uh, when people do their work, when people live their daily lives. Uh, so for example, if you're lifting a box uh, in a working situation, uh, the the load of that box and the load of your upper body uh, and the and the, uh, the the accelerations and the velocities of your body that all uh, accumulate into loads that uh, that are then applied on the um, on the lower back uh, yeah I, so in my PhD I I I, I've, I looked at ways to uh, to quantify those loads so I did some some laboratory studies really biomechanical studies and uh, uh, also some field studies where we collected uh, video data uh, and then using the video to uh, to uh, yeah, to quantify those loads and then relate those loads or, yeah, uh, make associations of those loads with uh, with low back pain. Uh, and well, maybe not a big surprise, but we found found that. Uh, people with, uh, with high low back loads, uh, have more low back pain. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, we looked at different patterns of loads. So we looked at peak loads, cumulative loads, uh, or more like, uh, graduate loading. And, uh, and yeah, we found that, uh, that it's not so much the peak loads, but it's more the, 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 cumulative loads. So the, the loads that accumulates over the entire workday that, uh, that cause back pain. Interesting. So
0: basically, the repetitive loads that are high and and get repeated—that's what's what's causing most of the
1: problems. Yeah, not so much very high, but uh, uh, yeah, the 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 repeatedness and 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 the accumulation over the day. Uh, so so even if if you're For example, working as a, uh, as as someone in logistics and, uh, you're, you're, you're standing at a conveyor belt and you don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting, but maybe, yeah, do some manual handling. Even that leads to, uh, yeah, smaller loads and, and, and those small loads by itself don't necessarily lead to low back pain, but once you start accumulating those loads over over a full day or over uh, the week or even years, then uh, we found that it was associated with low back pain
0: yeah that's that's interesting. I was just two days ago attending an event about exoskeletons, so kind of helping the kind of hip hip extension in in manual work. And, and how, how do you see? I had, I had an idea that if you, for example, have an inclinometer in the, in the chest and you can measure the inclination of upper body, do you think repetitions of the inclination of upper body, do you think it would be kind of a proxy for, uh, for low back pain or do you think it would predict problems?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, uh, if, if you, uh, looking at it, uh, biomechanically, uh, then, uh, what a lot of people think is that if they lift a heavy box or, uh, yeah, do something with uh, a lot of forces on their hands, uh, pushing, pulling, uh, whatever in a work situation that a lot of people think that it's mainly that, that large force, that large box, that, results in the in the in the largest part of the of the low back load but that's actually not necessarily the case mainly it's the the upper body like your 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 upper body is uh, is about half your 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 total body weight and that upper body once it's inclined uh it 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 yeah it it it, only that upper body uh already puts a large force on your large load on your lower back uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think you're right. If once you measure that inclination, uh, that, that is already a, quite a strong predictor of, uh, of the eventual low back load. So yeah, I guess you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, and how much do you think it's about static load that you stay extended periods, maybe even in low, low angles, but, but that it's, it's kind of, we know that static loads are stopping or reducing the blood flow? How much is it about static loads and how much about repetitive loads?
1: Uh, whew, yeah, the, I, that's a difficult question. I, I, well, like I said, I think uh, inclination is a strong predictor of the, the actual load on the uh, on the lower back. And I can imagine that if you stand a little bit inclined for the entire workday, uh, that, that's yeah, in in accumulation puts a large uh, cumulative load on your on your on your back throughout the day. Um, yeah, and maybe even more so than repetitive loads where you, yeah, where you do uh, a certain manual material handling task uh, every once in a while. But yeah, hard to yeah hard to really uh, tease that out, I suppose. Yeah, this podcast is sponsored by Fibian a research device that has been shown to be valid in tracking sitting, standing, physical activity and energy expenditure. Furthermore, Fibian has been shown to be valid categorising physical activity into light, moderate and vigorous intensity. In addition to scientific accuracy, Fibian provides automatically produced and easy-to-understand reports for research participants. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibion at fibion.com slash research. Fibian, from researchers to researchers.
0: And in this exoskeleton event, it was from Finland, and there was one uh, one company which have tested like exoskeletons. And for some tasks, which were like really a lot of different things, a lot of different movements, it was not as beneficial, but it was mainly the tasks that... You do kind of same same thing, so how, how do you see the importance of kind of rotating different kind of tasks, even if they are are physical, but that it's just not the same kind of task.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we see that uh, uh, a lot in the occupational health literature. It's it's called job rotation. That. Uh, yeah. So, so one way to reduce the, the physical uh, work demands is not just to reduce the uh, load of a certain task, but to rotate between tasks. So, for for example, uh, if you're working in that uh, uh, logistics company again, and there may be one person uh, doing like light. Manual material handling tasks on the conveyor belt, and another person may do uh, uh, like heavy lifting in the in the warehouse, and another person may do lorry driving or something like that. Uh, what we could do then is only go to that one person who has the very high physical demand, that uh, that guy in the w- warehouse, and reduce his or her load. Uh, but we can also just ask the three guys to rotate their tasks and then um yeah and then uh uh by doing that make more variation within their day and uh and and also reduce the cumulative load over the day uh yeah we we've seen that in literature i must say however that uh that yeah it it uh, th- we we, ha- we don't see a lot of uh, effectiveness of these kind of if- intervention, and that's probably because there's a lot of uh, downsides of it. Like uh, yeah, the example I gave uh, uh, with with the three tasks that I gave as an example. That uh, yeah, w- w- that 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 uh, that that uh, one of them being the lorry driver. That of course requires that all the three. Persons have a, have a lorry driver license, for example, uh, and uh, yeah, and that all the three persons uh, should be able to actually do the three different tasks. Uh, and yeah, we, we see in the literature that that uh, yeah implic that uh, applying that method is uh, is difficult and uh, and is uh, and, and doesn't always lead to. Uh, what 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 you want to do, uh, which is uh, reducing uh, the musculoskeletal uh, uh, complaints or some other health complaints. Uh, so I think the idea is good, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the implications of the idea of, of uh, or, or yeah applying it in the work situation is uh, is more uh, more difficult. I think.
0: Yeah, I, ca- I can easily see that. And if I go a little bit back, you said that you were calculating forces uh, on on the back. Did you work it on on, for example, that you have the forces on the hip joint, or did you go on the spinal each joint level, or
1: how did you calculate uh, the forces? Well, in my in my project, I uh, yeah. So so what we typically do as biomechanic by bi- biomechanists is uh, is uh, uh yeah uh uh, developing a uh, a model of the human body Uh, so you do some measurements i did that by video uh, analysis or but it can also be done by uh, by motion tracking for example uh, and using that information to build a, a a model of the body a mannequin of the body uh, which has, uh, yeah, arms and legs and, uh, and, uh, and the trunk. And depending on how uh, detailed you do, of course, uh, and then y- using that mannequin, you can quite easily calculate, uh, forces in, in, or loads in all sorts of, uh, joints in the body. For my study, I only did, uh, uh, the low back loads, but. Actually, the same methods can be used to, uh, to calculate uh, models in other uh, moments in other joints. Uh, for example, uh, the, the, the hip joints, like you said, but also the, the shoulder or the elbow. That's all possible using that same technique, same biomechanical principles.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, and if we then move to your systematic reviews that you have done, would you like to tell about those?
1: Yes, so like I said, I was mainly interested in in musculoskeletal health, uh, and then I, I I went to a couple of conferences. Uh, I got in contact with uh, uh, with Andreas Holtemann, who we also had on the on the show. I saw uh, already in an earlier episode, uh, and I saw a lot of his research that that pointed towards uh, physical demanding work not only being uh, uh, associated with uh, higher risk of musculoskeletal health, but also of uh, some other uh, uh, adverse health outcomes, for example, uh, cardiovascular health, uh, all-cause mortality uh, and other health outcomes. Uh, and he referred to that as the physical activity paradox, uh, because I, I think what's interesting here is that in the occupational health space, uh, people are are not surprised at all that physical activity at work is not or physically demands at work uh, are associated with with ill health, uh, like ergonomists or occupational health uh, practitioners. They already for, know for a long time uh, that uh, that uh, yeah physically demanding work can lead to certain adverse health outcomes. Uh, but in the physical activity. Uh, research field or the public health uh, research field if you like a lot of people are not so much aware of this topic uh, and they generally think that physical activity is always good for your health uh, and yeah so I, I think Andreas Altman did quite well I think with uh coming up with that name physical activity paradox maybe it's not so much yeah, it, it doesn't capture the the whole thing very well, but at least it's a good way to get people talking about it. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and and what he found, like I said, is that uh, physically demanding work is uh, is associated with uh, adverse health outcomes with for uh, yeah a lot of different uh, uh, a lot of different outcomes, and uh, and this is in contrast so paradoxal to what we see for leisure time physical activities, where we in general see uh, physical activity being uh, associated with good outcomes of your health. Um, Yeah, so I saw that literature and uh, I was interested about it uh, and I thought, well, it's probably not just uh, Andreas looking at this this topic, but uh, there's also probably other people. So what I thought would be a good step is um, is to do a systematic review on the topic, and uh, yeah, we sort of confirmed the paradox. So we saw for all cause mortality in the in the system, systematic review that we published in uh, in 2018, we saw that for uh, all cause mortality, uh, physical activity at work was associated with an increased risk for all cause mortality uh, in males, but not in females. For females, we saw null effects. So no positive nor negative health effects for occupational physical activity and that's where for me it actually started the uh, the, the journey so to say in uh, yeah in this uh, in this field.
0: So so occupational physical activity have adverse health effects for men but not for women did I understood correctly? That,
1: yeah that's what we showed in the, in, in that particular uh, uh, in that particular review yes. Uh, we're, we're now working on some, on some other reviews. We've recently published, uh, a review on cardiovascular health where we see the same thing, also null effects for females, uh, and also for males. Uh, we're now, uh, doing an, an, a so, so called individual participant meta analysis. Uh, so in, in, for my previous reviews, I've, yeah, I've done a conventional systematic review, so to say, where you, uh, look at the literature and then combine the effect estimates of the literature and pull them all together, uh, statistically. That's, uh, what you call, uh, yeah, conventional systematic review. But we're, we've also now collected the actual individual participant data of, uh, Of, of all, uh, of all the studies that we included in that previous review. And we're now doing some analysis on, on those individual participant data. Uh, and, uh, and there we see it again. We see again, uh, that for males, uh, adverse health effects and for females, uh, null effects. And then you may ask why that is. Our hypothesis is that, um, yeah, that, that a lot of, yeah, physically demanding jobs are male-dominated. So if you think of construction work, uh, logistics, uh, road work, these kind of jobs where people do, people do a lot of yeah, really physically demanding work, uh, th- those are typically male-dominated. Of course, there's other jobs that are more female-dominated that also are quite physically demanding. Uh, healthcare, for example, is a good example, uh, or, uh, or cleaning. Uh, but still, I think overall, uh, when looking at physically demanding jobs, most of them are, are male-dominated. Um, and, and yeah, that's, as far as I'm concerned, the best explanation for why yeah, we don't see the, f- yeah, the real negative health effects uh, of physically demanding work uh, uh, for females. So basically, you think that this is not the biological
0: difference, but mainly like work culture difference. That men just work usually in a harder, harder, physically harder work.
1: Yeah, that's another. That's another explanation, of course. What you're saying. Uh, so that uh, another explanation could be that uh, males and females respond differently to the same. Physically demanding uh, load that that could be an explanation, uh, but I yeah I I've, I struggle to uh, to to yeah to really find the the mechanisms for that. So I think what I was saying uh, that males and females do do different kind of jobs. That uh, I think that's more lucky explanation.
0: Yeah yeah I, I I meant that I don't know how I how I said it. Uh, is there any any work that you would have men and women doing the same work so basically you could test this that if you if you have them doing exactly same same loading basically that you could actually confirm this
1: uh yeah that's a good that's a good uh, suggestion actually uh i'm thinking of whether i can come up with a good a good example of a job where we have uh uh yeah high physically demanding work and and comparable uh proportions of males and females from the top of my head i i I, yeah i can't really come up with a good example at the moment but it doesn't matter but uh, yeah i think that's uh that's a really good suggestion to to look at those kind of occupations and 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 to see um whether um yeah, where, where do we see the same effects there? Um, but um, yeah, what? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, good suggestion.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.